24. <clears throat> Anytime we look at Scripture, it's important that we um, understand the context to understand um, when it was written, to whom it was written, what it's dealing with. Um, I look back on my education, <clears throat> and there were there's a lot of things that I don't don't remember. All right. Um, one thing I took away from high school was um, I was in a journalism class, and the journalism teacher taught us. When you write something, you ought to answer who, what, why, when, where, and how. Simple little thing, but that is foundational in, in life, not just when you write an article or give a speech, but in observing things. We ought to, to look, who does this pertain to? Um, why is this happening? Why is it here? And so on. And in particular, when we come to, to the Word of God, um, there are promises that God gave that um, honestly do not apply to us. We sing the song, Every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. But um, there are promises that God gave to the children of Israel that he didn't give to us. Um, there are promises that he gave to um, David that specific promises that he didn't give to us. And yet, he's given us everything we need in life for life and godliness. Now, when it comes to understanding prophecy and understanding um, the scriptures, it's important that we understand the big picture and, and then we bring it down and say, okay, who is God talking to in this passage? What is he referring to? What is he seeking to accomplish in this? And you will note on, on the overhead the, the big picture that we have here. And we, I didn't grab the pointer, but you can see from this chart, from the beginning of creation, um, God calling out Israel, the, thank you, the life of Jesus, his ascension, the Holy Spirit is given. Then we have this period here, and Israel is reborn. Um, God said that this would happen. And in 1948, Israel was reborn. As a result of, you know, sometimes we think, here's the Scripture, and here's real life. Well, real life was World War II. The Scripture is the reality that God used World War II to make it possible for Israel to be reborn. God's not bound by mankind, but God, it was as a result of the settlements of, 
of World War II that Israel was given the land in 1948. And understand today, all that's going on in the world, God is in control, even as he was then. The next major event is the rapture of the church, which we don't know when that will take place. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, um, Jesus came and said that there will not be, he was at the temple, and in verse 2 he said, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And the disciples were there, and in their minds they're trying to compute all this and and put all this together. And um, when they got a chance and were alone with him, they came unto him privately in verse 3, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, for the disciples, the destruction of the temple, the coming of the Messiah, and the end of the age were all tied together. So, they are coming and asking, okay, when will this happen? In Matthew chapter 24 commonly known as the Olivet Discourse, Jesus responds to their question about the destruction of the temple and the end of the age, and he gives a blueprint for the end of the age, and he gives a checklist. But Jesus is talking about the end of the age where Christ comes and returns to the earth. We, in the rapture, meet the Lord in the air. Christ is returning to the earth. He is speaking to these disciples. He is um, going to give them a blueprint that we're going to just tonight um, give you a, a rough outline of Matthew 24 and then a rough outline of Revelation, the book of Revelation. And it does not bring into play the tribulation, I mean, the church age here. It deals with, and we'll show you as we go through this. So you can be done with that, Dave. Thank you. And um, so Jesus is speaking directly in answer to these questions. And many times Matthew 24 has been used in as proof text that, Oh, the Lord's return must be close because look what it says is going to happen. Um, What he is referring to in this is the tribulation period, and it's important that we understand that that, um, his teaching in this discourse is a reference to Israel, not the church. He's speaking of God's future program with Israel. And, and last week we dealt with this aspect of Daniel's vision and the 70 weeks we've looked at recently. So in this, he begins in verse 4, and we're not going to go through it verse by verse tonight. I am equipping you so that you can read 
Matthew 24, and you can understand in a little better light, oh, this is, this is the breakdown of this. But in verses 4 through 14, he is dealing with the first half of the tribulation. And the events that will take place are, are like the birth pangs that are, are coming to bring the nation of Israel to repentance, to bring the Messiah at the second coming. And, and you notice he makes reference to these. These are all things to take place in the first half of the tribulation. Verse 5, he said that there will be false Christ that will come in my name. Verse 6 and 7, he says that there will be wars and rumors of wars. And um, kingdoms will rise against kingdoms. He also says in verse 7 that there will be famines. There will be um, earthquakes, famines and pestilences. He said there will be earthquakes. He said that there will be persecution in verses 9 and 10. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So there will be severe persecution during the tribulation period. Verse 11, he says, There will be many false prophets shall arise. And deceive many. Verse 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. There is a sense of, of lawlessness. Iniquity is self-willed. And other passages taught, refer to the lawlessness. And then he says in verse 14, that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. How many of you have ever heard in a thrust for mission, we need to take the gospel to every tribe and every nation to hasten the return of the Lord? How many of you have ever heard that? How many of you have ever said that? Okay. The reality is we will not hasten the return of the Lord and the gospel. We are to take the gospel to every tribe and every nation, but the gospel will not be preached literally around the world until the time when God raises up the two witnesses, the 144,000 spirit-filled evangelists are spread throughout the earth and and this all takes place in, in the tribulation period. There's a, a, just a side note, there's a number of things. God's judgment is always accompanied with his mercy. And in the tribulation, as we'll get in and look at it, it is severe judgment of God, but God is still bringing the message of forgiveness through Christ. And now, those that seek to follow him do it at a very high cost, in many cases their death. But these are verses 4 through 14, and, and again, I said we're, we're giving you a, a, a rough outline that you can go back and study Matthew 24 and keep in mind. This is dealing with the first half 
of the tribulation. Then you notice in verse 15, Jesus speaks directly about the prophecies of Daniel, specifically the prophecies of Daniel 9.27 and the desecration of the temple by the Antichrist. Notice what he says. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by, the, by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So he says, then you will see the desecration of the temple. Antichrist will go into the temple and desecrate the temple in, in violating the laws of the temple and so on. So, um, needless to say, the temple will have to be rebuilt. They already have the plans. They already have the stones. They already are ready to rebuild it. They're eager and anxious to rebuild it. But the temple will be rebuilt. They will be make a contract with Antichrist. And they will relatively have peace. And in the middle of the tribulation, what he refers to in verse 15, we, we looked previously at Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, that Antichrist will come and the abomination of desolation and he defiles the temple. Then we read in, in this chapter really beginning in verse 21 through verse 28, of what takes place in the last half of the tribulation, known as the Great Tribulation. The first half of the seven-year period of tribulation, there are, there are many things that happen that are the judgment of God. Then the middle, the abomination of desolation, the defiling of the temple, then the last half, there it is, it makes the first half look moderate when the judgments are seen that take place in the last half of the tribulation. For that reason, it is called the Great Tribulation. So, he then goes in and he spells out some of the things that are going to happen. And, um, and gives the indication of what will take place in the Great Tribulation period. So, Matthew 24 is not really God giving to us something that, oh, look at, this means that the rapture is soon to appear, other than these are events that are taking place in the tribulation. We may see them coming into place. They may be casting a shadow we may see some of these things, but these are all signs of his coming to earth to set up his kingdom, not signs of his coming to catch the believers home. Do you understand? It's, there's the period of the church age which ends with the rapture of believers, the church. Then he begins dealing with Israel again. They've been put on the sidetrack. He's still dealing with them, but he puts them on the main track. And the seven-year period of tribulation, which he's answering their questions in Matthew 24 about the end of the age, the coming of the Messiah. 
That's what he's answering to them about that in. So hopefully, as you read Matthew 24, that will help you to understand it, and you'll have kind of in your mind, okay, this is what he was doing. He was answering to them the end of the age, what is going to bring that about, and what it applies to. Now, if you would turn to Revelation chapter 1. So as I said, tonight our purpose is to equip you. Now, equipping us means that here's the tools. Now, go do the work. See, one of the problems that we have in Christianity, we like to be fed, but we don't want to get in and search the Scriptures. And Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So, this is to equip you, okay? I have a little framework here for Matthew 24. Now, we want to give you a framework um, of the book of Revelation. Many people are afraid of the book of Revelation, too hard to understand. But Jesus said, why would it be too hard to understand if he said, blessed, verse 3, notice verse 3 of chapter 1, blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So he gives a special blessing. We know there is a special blessing when you read the Word of God. But he adds almost like a double blessing. If you will read the book of Revelation, he said, and pay attention to it, he said, you will be blessed. Now notice if you'd look in verse 19. The angel of the Lord came to John and, well, back up, verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. The Brother Little mentioned this morning, you know, when we see Christ, it's not going to be, Hey, high five, buddy. And here's evidence right here. When he saw a glimpse of the glory of God, um, he fell at his feet as dead. We have a twisted view of God. God's presence takes the very life almost out of us. And so the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, I am with thee. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Who is he that liveth and was dead and is alive forevermore? Jesus Christ. And I have the keys of hell and death. And verse 19 gives you the outline for this book. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So, he gives us an outline. The things which you have seen is chapter 1. The things which are are chapters 2 and 3. So, chapters 1 through 3 deal with the church age. How long does that last? We don't know. We don't know when Christ is going to come again. But... Chapter 1, the things which you've seen, the things which are chapters 2 and 3, 
And then, in the overall, 